Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. You hit the Got button, it. you can't undo it. Oh, we're in this thing. It's going. All right. I'm excited. This one, this one is going to be good. This is like we've lit, we've lit the fuse on this gigantic box of fireworks, and it's gonna it's gonna launch a bunch of cool things in like a few seconds here. So I got to introduce you to who I'm talking today. Uh, the guest today is a really cool guy, serial entrepreneur, marketing thought leader, been in the space for decades, decades of marketing. Um, imagine all the wisdom you can accumulate with that. And in a specific way, uh, absolutely an expert in all things affiliate marketing. And this is one of the topics that we have not talked enough about on the show. So I can't wait to introduce you to co-founder and CEO of FMTC, Brooke Schaff. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Yeah, man. Welcome to the show. So I'm excited. Affiliate marketing. There's so many misconceptions. We haven't really talked about it enough if at all, because I think people just don't know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop talking myself and I got to pass you something. It's heavy, but I know you're tough. So here you go. Ugh. Okay. You, go. you got it. <laughs> is All that right. from uh, the Marvel movie? Yeah, this is Thor's hammer. It's not nice. This is, nice. It's the real Thor's it. hammer. You got it though. You got it. I got it. I'm, okay. What is it? Take what Thor's hammer. Smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. <laughs> Set the record straight once and for all. I have a good myth for you. And yeah. that myth, you know, in the affiliate space is that uh, coupon and reward sites don't add value to an affiliate program that merchants should not work with them, usually because, quote, the sale would have happened anyway. Right, right. So why use a coupon? They were going to buy anyways. I'm just losing money on the deal, right? Exactly. That's the that's the pervasive, unfortunately pervasive attitude. It's, so it's not true at all, is what you're saying. I mean, you're smashing the bejesus out of it with Taurus Amber. It is. Um, it's an involved situation, but as okay. a sort of a blanket statement, it's a bit lazy, frankly, because um, <laughs> it's uh, you know it's up to you as a marketer to figure out how to work with these guys. They can add a lot of value to you. Uh, you just need to figure out the terms. And, okay, um, so there there's some finesse going on here, but but what you're saying is it's it, you it's too simple to say that they were already going to buy it. It's this could very well drive a ton of business for your. This could be a great channel, the affiliate marketing space. Yeah, I mean, this is the backbone still to this day of affiliate marketing. Um, you know, the coupon guys uh, and the reward guys. The reward guys typically show coupons. That's any sort of like cash back points, uh, etc. Very much the same way that people love to get cash back from a credit card that they, they use or airline miles, whatever it is. Uh, they love to get cash back from uh, sites. Not everybody does. Uh, so the coupon sites are still to this day also very popular. Got uh, it. And, okay. Now, coupons. Now, that it sounds like that's just a frat. That's like a part of the affiliate space is the coupon guys. But it's a like part, a, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's other guys in there. There's, you got your commerce content guys. That's all the review stuff. So if you, you know, look for, um, uh, best scissors to buy and you find a list of scissors. <laughs> yeah. uh, those are probably affiliate sites and the content around it could be really good. Wirecutters, uh, it's owned by the New York Times now, is a really good example of very curated content uh, that also happens to use affiliate links. Uh, Consumer Reports does the same. People want to be uh, included into where they can buy stuff. 
Um, but I think statistically it's a minority of affiliate marketing. The majority is these coupon and reward guys. And that includes deal sites, the deal communities, um, and a lot of different variations on that. It makes total sense. Almost anytime I'm ever at a shopping cart and I see that annoying little box that says coupon or code or something. And I'm like, damn, couldn't I find one? And I go and I, and I <clears throat> search the web to try to find one to see if I can get a better deal. And you are not alone. So I got some, some stats, but bear with me. These are the only stats I'll give uh, during this. <laughs> like this time, no, we but. like stats. Yeah. So we dug some stuff up and, um, you know, from one survey I found um, two thirds of customers have made a purchase they were not originally planning to make solely because they found a coupon or a discount. And the discount might not be a coupon, right? It could be a category sale, it could be a buy one, get one, it could be a gift with purchase, lots of variations on that. Uh, four out of five customers feel encouraged to make a first time purchase uh, with a new brand. It's very important to most long tail merchants uh, if they found an offer. And uh, 70% almost, 69 of millennials say they won't compete a purchase without first searching for a deal. Um, for, uh, stats from uh, last year, that's from, from a couple of years ago, 63% um, of uh, customers feel like they are a smarter shopper when they use coupons or discounts. 61% uh, <clears throat> uh, feel like they are more likely to make a purchase um, if they see a message about prices. 74% uh, said they can be swayed by advertised promotions and sales, which is very interesting because people usually are resistant to that. They, you know, people say, oh, ads don't work on me, uh, although ads affect all of us, like it or not. 71% uh, say um, saving the most money by, quote, using coupons and discounts um, is the second most important thing they do when going for grocery shopping. So you want to remember a big part of coupons is still like that grocery shopping world. Mm. And um, it's also worth noting, uh, sometimes people have this impression that like it's, it's uh, less affluent customers that use the coupons, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. So um, if you look at like, here's a survey of like affluent people, 79% use coupons when planning their shopping, 79% say it's exciting to discover a coupon or discount because there is sort of like that uh, hunter gather uh, mentality around deals and stuff. And 64% um, say it factors into their decision for making a purchase. Uh, lots and lots and lots more stats along those lines. Higher household incomes on average, more um, frequent purchases, higher cart sizes, uh, et cetera. Because you can craft as a merchant the coupon in the way that you want it to be, right? So there could be a minimum spend that's above your average cart size. Um, uh, it could be a coupon code for sort of like a special um, uh, a gift with the purchase. Um, you know, free shipping stuff is still out there. Um, people, people still like that stuff. And uh, I'll offer three more pieces of evidence for this. One is that... Uh, Every merchant has shopping cart abandonment from Amazon on down. Uh, it's never going to be 100%. So as a merchant, you want to think, well, hey, how can I minimize or reduce that shopping cart abandonment? Coupons are a big factor. I'm actually going to hold that thought and come back to it in a second. Okay. Another thing to remember is um, coupon and reward sites control huge, huge volumes of traffic. This is where a lot of people begin their shopping experiences. So people have a very strong affinity for, for example, Honey, Capital One, those are two of the bigger browser extensions. Rakuten Rewards, one of the industry's uh, mainstays. Uh, you've also got uh, shopping communities like Slick Deals, um, uh, which uh, are you know post, post deals and people really like look for stuff there. <clears throat> so um, dozens and dozens of these guys uh, that are of the really, really big ones. Um, if you work with them, you're going to have an opportunity to get a lot more traffic to your site or uh, win the business that is already at your site. Mm. Um, and then finally, and kind of going back to the shopping cart abandonment thing, 
you know, um, Amazon's got to weigh in here, right? Because most people who will be listening to this are probably competing with Amazon in some sense. Uh, you know, if you sell a certain sort of hard good online, a good chance, a probability that Amazon sells it as well. Amazon has what I think is probably the most successful coupon in the history of the world. It's not a coupon as most people think of it traditionally, but it's Amazon Prime, which is um, the sort of the sense of completion that people have in that permission to purchase. And that's typically based around order speed where, where they have um, such strong logistics. So uh, that is a big, big competitor for you for your affiliate program. Uh, and then also related to Amazon, which is really worth mentioning here is even if you sort of like set everything else aside, you can say, well, hey, what are my competitors doing? Amazon works with all these coupon sites uh, and they probably have some of the most sophisticated uh, marketing uh, analytics uh, of anybody out there. Uh, in fact, Amazon goes so far as to have affiliates on site. These are these review, these content affiliates. Mm-hmm. But if you uh, are surfing around and you see like the top 10 best uh, scissors provided by, you know, scissorreviews.com, uh, that's an affiliate. And if you click through to read their review, uh, they get a nickel from Amazon. It's less than a regular commission, but it keeps the user on the site. Mm. Without everything else, look at how closely Amazon engages uh, with, with all sorts of affiliates. Uh, they ain't doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They're doing it because it's good business for them. Should be good business for everybody else too. Wow. The, the nickel to keep you on the content site. There's the value of keeping you on the content site. I wanted to ask you about the deal. And you you mentioned that it, it's not, it's a myth that only people with no money want the deal. Like everybody wants a deal, you know? Who doesn't what, want a deal, right? What is that? What is that weird human sense? You mentioned hunter, hunter gather. Is it that primal of the urge to want to get a deal? What is that? You know, I bet there's some great academic research on it. Uh, I think in my observation with people I know, because like, yeah, it's your buddy who bought like a luxury car. He's like, I got a deal on it. (laughs) You're like, yeah, it's not a bargain car. You just, you just bought, you know? And um, I think for some people, it's the sense of competition. There's actually an affiliate executive who I was talking to, and he was bragging to me about how he got a deal on a mattress. This was in person, (laughs) poor mattress salesman must have had his arm twisted. So I think for that guy, it's like, he's very competitive. I think for other people, it's that um, Easter egg finding, uh, information. And then some people are budgetarily constrained, right? That gets back to like last affluent people, but um, it could also be somebody who's more affluent who doesn't want to spend more than a certain amount of money on something uh, and they will hunt and hunt. And those people are often opinion leaders too. You know, so somebody asks on Facebook, hey, where do you get this? Where do you get that? Um, you know, I hunted around for a deal when I bought a car charger uh, for our electric car, one of the one of the uh, two chargers uh, that does it more, more quickly. And um, Amazon came up in the search, no surprise there, but I found it somewhere else for 200 bucks cheaper. So that was, you know, worth looking around for a deal. Yeah. I mean, I I was, I was buying some hiking poles last night because I went on a hike without them and like my knee and uh, this rock, they became good friends. Oh no. It was a crazy mess. So I was like, yeah, probably a good time to add those poles back in. And I was, you know, shopping around, looking at reviews and, and you're right. Amazon is sort of like that baseline. Like, oh, what could I, what could I get here? But I think a lot of consumers have learned that if it looks too good to be true <clears throat> on Amazon, it probably is just like barely held together by thread. Um, so if everything else is fifty bucks and that thing's twenty, <laughs> beware. You know, read the instruction, read the reviews, and see if there's something going on. But you're right. I I wanted a deal, and so I was comparing like REI to Black Diamond, and then different brands. You know, it was definitely a. I was looking for the deal. 
You know, I was looking for, you know, is, is there something special I can find that would make me feel like I, I don't know, like I, I won the competition. Yeah. It's part of the marketing game. And it's funny you mentioned that because Amazon has a lot of uh, companies that sell directly from China and yeah. the quality varies there. Um, and uh, one of the, one of the other aspects, and this is more where affiliates can really kind of help you out is they, they can be sort of an intermediary to communicate that message. Um, mm. Content review sites in, in particular, right? So I was listening to a podcast recently and it was about uh, working with one of these uh, uh, pizza ovens, these Umi guys. And they do, it's like different fuels. It could be propane or it could huh. be gas. And that's, I think, seven, $800. So anybody who can help uh, you educate the customer before they make a more expensive purchase like that is really doing you a favor. Uh, and if it can be commissioned, I um, mean, you know, sometimes it gets lost, right? Because the affiliate does their part, but the commission's lost because they change devices or something like that. Um, they, they are really bringing value to you, especially if they're bringing you, you a new customer. So um, this is sort of tangential to our conversation, but across the industry, you know, I think there's a strong argument to be made that a lot of commissions are too low on average. You know, it makes you wonder though, like, can you trust the, those, the write-up sites, the review sites? Like, I don't know, like if it's just, sometimes I'm thinking, you know, are they just going to be a shill for that really terrible product because they get commission on it? You yeah, know? some do. I mean, actually, it's, it's funny. Some aren't even shills. Some just do, do uh, random stuff. And then some do, um, so like no testing, no nothing. And then right. some will um, do it programmatically. So it's what the, the one they make the most money off of. So you should seek out a more reputable site. Yeah. Because uh, uh, some of them, like some reports, you know, they have a, a Chinese wall between the editorial and the, the advertising, uh, which is sort of similar to the traditional pub publishing world. So if you poke about a bit, like I think you'll start to get a sense for the stuff that's more legit and the stuff that's less legit. Although sometimes even the fake sites can help you parse through when there's like, you know, 200 banana stands you could be buying. Oh, it's true. It's true. I mean, I, I was, I was having an issue. I was trying to buy a head headlight too. Right. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, there's just so many, there's just, oh, do you want the, this thing, cute name 250, the cute name 300 cute, you know, another cute name 350. And then, yeah, they're off by a few dollars. It's like, man, what, what do I even want from this? Yep. Yeah. First world problems that we have, right. but, um, you know, they are, right. they are challenge, little challenges for us and, uh, anything that can kind of help ease that, uh, is, is plus and affiliate affiliates help to ease that for the consumer, uh, by bringing traffic to the merchants. How, how do you get into that? How, like someone's listening that they, they definitely are, who's a good fit for it first. And then let's get into how to do, how to really approach it. Well, so it, the um, you know, affiliate market has got a few players. So one side has got the affiliate, which is roughly synonymous with publisher, not roughly synonymous with like influencer. Some people say publisher is like an umbrella term that usually kind of works. Um, so you got like your bloggers, these sites that we've been talking about, some of which are very big corporations, some of which are belong owned by public corporations, you know, PayPal very famously bought Honey uh, a few years ago. And then um, uh, a lot of the influencers do use affiliate links. Sometimes it's just for tracking purposes. So it's a little bit of a mix and that can kind of be confusing when you, when you're coming into it for the first time. Uh, and then the affiliates send traffic to and get paid by the merchants and the fields usually work on a commission basis. They get 5% or 2% or 20%. It depends on the, um, it depends on the vertical, right? So supplements would be pretty high margin, pretty high commission software, the same thing, uh, airline tickets, uh, electronics, lower, com uh, lower commission rates. And then the merchants sign up with what are called the networks 
for the tracking and the payments. So for example, a company like Target would sign up with a company called Impact, and then all the tracking is done through Impact. Impact provides the links, uh, Target cuts Impact a check or you know wires funds or whatever once a month, and then Impact does the payout. And so other networks include um, Rakuten Advertising, not to be confused with Rakuten Rewards, which used to be Ebates. Uh, you've got Awin, you've got ShareSale, which is owned by Awin now. Uh, you got a, little, a lot of the smaller guys like Avant Link and Link Connector. So our, our company is integrated with all those guys and we pull all the merchant programs in. Uh, we have about 18,000. And I would think in the, like the US uh, uh, markets, there's uh, probably tens of thousands more, uh, 40, 50,000, uh, pr probably higher. So big space, a lot of opportunity, a lot of competition too. Big space. So where do you get started? Like where, where how do you, where do you dip your toe? What, what do you need to yeah, do? Yeah, sorry. To, like, you get some I'm steps. Like, question. Yeah, no, that's all good. So you come at it from two ways, basically, right? So you say, hey, I'm an affiliate. I got some traffic or I want to get some traffic um, or I'm a merchant. It's actually much, much simpler if you're a merchant. So if you're a merchant, what you do is I got a list here. Um, you would choose your network, which is your tracking provider. Um, they have different prices. Some of them target different kinds of markets. Some of them are more international than others. So it kind of depends on who you are. So for example, there's one called Refersion. They, um, from what I understand, they have mostly Shopify guys. They've got over 20,000, uh, I think. And uh, that's potentially a pretty good place. Um, or if you're a super enterprise, you'd probably go with, you know, we're gonna be careful here, but like Impact or Partnerize uh, would be sort of typical choices, but CJ and, and, and Rakuten would say that they can take those, uh, and AWIN too, can take all that business on as well. So I certainly don't wanna speak for those guys. But the short of the long is you gotta pick a tracking provider, uh, get set up with them, be technically integrated. Uh, and then the next step after that is you got to get competent program management because you need somebody to be in charge of your program. Uh, with a decent sized merchant, it's typically a full-time job. In fact, a lot of the bigger merchants will have teams of people. When I had an agency, wow. we had multiple people working on a, the eBay account. And um, that can be somebody who's in-house uh, or can be an agency or can be both. Um, but you do not want to like, uh, you got to have somebody uh, man in the till because um, you can get defrauded. Um, you, uh, you really need to nurture the relationships uh, mm. too. So very important to have competent program management, somebody to respond to emails, somebody to help out with strategy, somebody to integrate with the team. Uh, and then you got to figure out your recruitment strategy. What kind of affiliates do I want to work with? How am I going to find those affiliates? There's tools uh, out there. Like we're integrated with one that we resell called Publisher Discovery. Hmm. And uh, the networks will help you out with that as well. Um, and then there's all those. There's influencer networks too. Uh, and then um, you got to figure out your commission structure so that you can get really, really complicated. You can have a rule where it's like you pay on the first guy who sends you the click, you pay on the last guy who sends you the click, you do a split between those two, um, you pay a different amount if it's a new customer versus a returning customer. Uh, some commission, uh, some products are higher commission than other products. You can be very, very involved. Uh, so for example, most merchants don't get this, uh, don't commission to uh, gift cards. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, terms, terms and conditions is kind of in there too. Um, uh, usually you're, you're probably be covered by like the network terms and conditions, but some people's lawyers kind of go crazy for stuff. Uh, if you can avoid that, it's probably best because uh, the networks, again, will cover most of the bad stuff people are doing. And you can always kick affiliates out. You can reverse commissions. You have an incredible amount of control as a merchant. Interesting. So, yeah, okay. And how, I mean, so these networks typically will help identify some, some of the worst behavior and help you. Yeah, they have compliance departments. And some people argue that's conflict of interest because networks make money off of each transaction. Um, but I think yeah. the people in those compliance departments tend to want everything to be in compliance. 
Yeah. And, um, right. Yeah. Cause they're, they're like their own teams. Um, but it's not going to hurt if you do your own. Now, if you're a retailer, compliance is going to be less of an issue because, um, it will be more like negotiation terms. Like, Hey, this guy should get like a 2% commission, uh, based on what his traffic is, but, um, this other affiliate over there, they should get a 20% commission because their traffic's just so, so much better. Um, so you want to, that goes back to having somebody manage the program, analyzing the numbers, stuff like that. And then, um, the you can you want to communicate with the affiliates, help them identify like your target customer, what it is you do. Like the more education you can do, the better. And that takes a long time to warm up. It's actually a big reason to work with an agency is to have these relationships with the affiliates in place. Uh, and then last on my list is of course uh, settling on a discount strategy. Mm, yeah, let's talk about that. Well, most merchants um, have terrible discount strategies. They they uh, a lot of them just put up like one evergreen coupon, which might be okay. You know, it might be. Like, I mean, could you argue it's not even a strategy? They just they're just sort of. Oh yeah, trying it's, it, trying it's it a half-ass tactic for for the most part. Um, yeah. Where you can get pretty sophisticated with them, you know, like you can distribute coupons to affiliates uh, that only work for that affiliate, that only uh, credit that affiliate with the commission, that overrides other stuff. Um, uh, you can do that in the link structure as well. Uh, as I mentioned, you can you know do different commissions for different kinds of affiliates under like different click paths, purchase paths. Um, so a lot of opportunity there, but it takes time to do that, right? It takes time to understand it. it takes time to figure yeah. out what you want to do. All that's kind of like a corporate strategy stuff. And it requires experimentation too. Um, and that's usually around um, sort of like optimization stuff. So actually a casual piece of advice I would give to like a merchant would be to say, hey, don't worry about optimizing your program when you first do it. You, know, you want to guard against fraud, uh, which, which I was saying is actually less likely for a retail program because frauds really like they would buy something and return it and try and keep the commission um, or something shady like that. But that means they have to have like the fake credit card, which probably gets caught by your credit card processor. And then you track it back to a certain affiliate. So if you're kind of keeping your eye on stuff, um, scams like that usually get caught pretty quickly. Um, so again, it's all about the the commercial terms uh, uh, that you're, you're using with affiliates. The lead space is a little bit different. Um, cause you know, somebody sending you information with the lead. So you have to be more careful with the vetting. Uh, but the real t- retail space is just much safer in general. Yeah. Yeah. It pays to have people on your, on your side, making sure that he, <laughs> he don't, you know, fall victims to some of those things, but it, it sounds like it really can be powerful if you leverage it the right way. Um, so, so kind of circling back around the discounting, you know, do you try a bunch of things all at once? Do you do you pick a battle? And do you have a do you have a favorite strategy for that? Well, one thing is coupons are very popular, so people actually like the coupon they can enter. I think what, like goes back to what you were saying earlier that there's that sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think that's pretty powerful. I think you want to do it. Um, Amazon does something that's worth worth being aware of. Where like they have a little click, um, and people say psychologically that makes people feel possession of what they've put into their shopping cart, so more likely to convert. Uh, a lot of merchants have sort of games where they'll, they'll put the coupon codes um, uh, on the, the, the landing page. And it, um, then like you can choose from coupon codes you would use. Uh, so it's almost like a little bit of the honey experience on your, mm. on your own website. And uh, I think it just goes to show people, people do really enjoy that. And if you're doing it on your own website, for goodness sakes, you should be sending those uh, coupons to affiliates. If you can send them extra stuff, that much the better. It doesn't have to be side-wide. Uh, it can be on a product. It could be on a category. Uh, again, give with purchase thing is great. Um, so I would play around with that. I think, hey, how, how can we uh, do something to sweeten the deal to the customer? Uh, and everybody does this. Everybody does this, right? 
um, in one way or another. So Apple, for example, um, really typically does not discount, but if you if you go on the right day, like maybe a Black Friday sale, um, they'll do uh, a credit with, with a purchase, which is the equivalent of a gift with purchase, right? Um, so people are doing it. You just need to figure out what your strategy is. And I would also say the more frequently you can do it, the better. Because going back to that guy with the Evergreen I was talking about, like we process all that data um, and we post these coupons and then we have to actually have to go back and check later. We usually do it every um, every few months uh, to see if that deal is still good. Most of the time it is, but sometimes it goes stale. They don't update that in the network. So we're the ones who, who end up catching that. So that's like being, you know, that's really bad from my perspective. Um, yeah. If you have more more frequency, you know, that's sort of like more, more movement, right? You know, it'll pop up more often. People will see stuff more often. That's absolutely what you should be doing. And if you're a savvy merchant, there's a huge opportunity for you to get a leg up on your competitors. One, an affiliate manager who's responsive, going back to my earlier point, and then two, uh, good offers and deals, links, just being like very, really good with that stuff. Because the coupon sites actually, they, they call it content. It's deal content. It's, it's okay. content the customer reads. You know, right. it's not like content like an article, um, but it's still people content people seek out. Yeah, it's interesting that they seek it out, and it's a part. In, it's a part of the process, and not to forget part of the buying process. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah I think yeah. it was seventy percent of millennials. Absolutely, is part of the process, and that is a big opportunity for you as a merchant because you could be selling the exact same thing as somebody else, and that is in the cart. And if you got the deal sweetener, um, and uh, you you could win the business, and yeah, it could go through an affiliate, and you got to pay the affiliate the commission, but you might have won yourself a new customer. Plus, yeah. you got to pay, it's not a commission, but like Google AdWords, Facebook, those are costs that you don't get to set. With the affiliate marketing program, you get to set your commission. No other channel gives you so much control except like your in-house email list. Right. And it's a marketplace, right? So if people aren't feeling it, they don't like the level you've set. You won't totally get as many. marketplace. Programs have reputations too. You know, affiliates, affiliates kind of talk. And you want to be the program. People say, "Oh, those guys are great." You know, I don't, um, I don't sell like you know, uh, chicken feeders on my side. But if I did, I totally work with them. Yeah. And then when somebody who's like got the chicken blog uh, is asking around, we're doing some research. They'll send some traffic to you. It gains that reputation among among the uh, the market. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, but even the the conversion percentages, or you know, if compliance has been stealing back a lot of the commission checks then you know just the word just spreads these guys yeah yeah no these merchants guys. really um uh really cheat affiliates and sometimes it happens um through uh, incompetence uh, so for example there's there's a company out there now that does testing on cookies so um especially for gdpr over in uh, europe they'll test if the cookie is set properly because even if it's server to server tracking which is we don't need to go into that but it's just some, some technical stuff or an affiliate program um, you'll still need to set an initial cookie. You know that that'll be the first party cookie, so it's, it's compliant with like the GDPR stuff. But then you got another uh, light box for what they accept, and then you got the post uh, landing page. That stuff can get messed up, and like you know, it's probably some engineer doesn't know, know what the affiliate program is who just uh, clobbers it. Um, so that stuff, that kind of stuff, can can happen a lot. And the affiliate's the one who gets the short end of the stick. You know, again, that doesn't happen to Google. Doesn't happen to Facebook. They got you their nickel from you already when they sent the traffic your way. Right, right. Where does this go? Where do, where do you see this going in the future? You want the big big vision? Yeah. Casey? What's the big vision? I think the big idea is that all links are eventually affiliate links. Wow. 
Yeah. No, I don't think that's actually going to happen, but I think directionally that's that how it goes. Because if you think about it, and I actually wrote a post on this that I called it affiliate domination, but but DOL was uh, the domain object model. Yeah. You know, how it renders in the website. And the thought I had was like, look, if you control the uh, the DOM, um, then you can reroute any of these links. And then you have an incentive to turn those into affiliate links if you can, you, you can make some money off of it. So it could be really good for freemium stuff if you have like a posting community uh, because affiliate links tend to be much more palatable than ads. You know, a lot of surveys show people are distrustful of ads. Uh, they don't click on ads. They don't click on banner ads. Maybe the impression makes a difference, but affiliate is just really associated with the conversion event. Um, and to that end, if somebody's on, you know, one thing I was thinking uh, was like, hey, if you're in Slack and you got the free account, and then Slack sends a link to, you know, Amazon to buy a book or, or uh, Etsy to buy uh, arts and craft stuff, uh, they could totally turn that into an affiliate link. Now you, you have to do that with the permission of the merchant uh, and the network, um, but that would seem to me like a fair trade because if you're using, say, Slack for free, then um, uh, it's, it's reasonable that they would make um, uh, money off of something like that. You know, you would never have to post links, et cetera. And, you need to sort of sort through the compliance stuff. Right. Um, Pinterest got in trouble for doing that a few years ago. But when that story broke, I was like, you know, what's the issue? The link's going where, where they thought it would be. Uh, as long as there's reasonable sort of like disclosure around it being a commercial relationship, um, uh, I, you know, I don't think you're doing anybody wrong. You're helping out the site. And so the idea is, I, I think as, as time goes on and people realize there's, there's commercial value to just about any link, um, and that link can be made an affiliate link more easily, uh, including maybe links to multiple merchant websites. Uh, you're going to see more and more of that happen. So you've already seen it with the commerce content site, with all these guys that do the review stuff, that space is owned by affiliates now. Uh, and that also supports the editorial, right? That, that lets them keep hiring writers. And um, I think you're going to see it more stuff in the internet in the future too. You know, the idea that everything, almost like with SEO where there's page rank and everything has rank and everything gives link juice to, you know, the same kind of thing. Not only could it have juice, juice but it, now it has... Real juice. It has a little little cash. Yeah, different kind of juice, a different flavor, yeah. right? <laughs> or maybe you just have Google track the whole thing, right? Like you're already tracking link juice. Well, just track money juice as well. And you know, it's funny you say that because uh, Google bought a company called DoubleClick uh, many many years ago, and oh, they were wow. the really big um, uh, display advertising network. And previously, DoubleClick had bought Performix, which was an affiliate network. So they rebranded that Google affiliate network, uh, and then some years into running it. They just shut the whole damn thing down. Wow. <laughs> and the argument uh, was that however much man it made, you know, in the, probably in the tens of millions of dollars, it was like a rounding error for Google. Right. Uh, and the affiliate, one thing about the affiliate market space, which is a, a challenge, but also an opportunity is it's very relationship intensive. You know, it's not a command and control system. So you got to get, you know, you got to do the trenches, you got to seek people out, you got to work with people and that's not Google's thing. So um, I think they had some moment of clarity internally inside the company they just announced one day they were shutting it down and it's gone now. So I don't know if Google will get back into that game. Yeah. If only, only if they could automate the thing completely. And it was just, if you want credit, go here. If you don't, well, you know, but to go back to your thing about the rankings, maybe what Google would do would be to um, uh, start to give SEO credit for, for affiliate links. Wow. And then you can say, well, look, it is a commercial link, but still says something about this business that more people are linking to them. Except there's a link farm somewhere that just grows those things. You need to pay drink and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you'd have the same challenge with you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Crazy, crazy. Well, you know, obviously you're, you're on top of things. Do you have any favorite books or podcasts you like to listen to? Oh boy. 
right now I'm reading uh I'm reading one of the big ones, City of God by St. Augustine. Oh, what's it called? Self- City of God. Wow, dude, that's a huge book. It's uh <laughs> it's one of the classics. Um, pretty interesting. Rome got sacked in 410 AD, and everybody blamed the Christians. They're like, hey, we stopped worshiping uh Zeus and everybody else. That's your guys' fault. That's Augustine. <laughs> said, no, let me tell you why you're wrong in uh, many, many pages. Um, yeah, I'm actually in a book club, an online book club called uh, Online Great Books. That's my little plug for those guys. And we read all this stuff. You start with the Iliad and you go through. So if reading is your thing and you want to read the classics, it's a great way to do it. Uh, those guys have a podcast that I like too. And then um, I'm listening to the Bible in a year, which is pretty neat. I've never, never actually read all the books of the Bible before. Is it that and, popular podcast? Say again. This is the one with uh, Father Mike or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, I love that one too. I was listening to that one too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's funny. I guess he. guy's good, he's man. Kinda... He's got he's got a good voice for it. He does. He, he um. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, it's really funny. One of my employees mentioned that um, she's listening to it too. So I guess he, uh, he hit it somehow. But it's also like, I think it's like the most popular podcast ever. It could be. But it it could be. Makes sense because it's daily. So all the millions happen every day. It's yeah, it's a good length too because it's usually about twenty minutes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and then I got a bunch of other ones I listen to. Um, I listen to some marketing stuff sometimes. I listen to a few year episodes. It's great, of course, and um, uh, some other cultural stuff, uh, which is which is pretty good. And then I read business books too. Although I yeah. can only read so many, so many of those. My wife's got totally. me reading a book, um, a book about connections. She's like, uh, you need to learn a few things. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So the argument in that book is called is that um, uh, it's not about communication; it's about connection, and connection is not largely the nonverbal stuff. And so, in order to feel comfortable in a relationship, in particular romantic relationship, um, you want to uh, you know go through certain rituals on a very frequent basis. So, I you know eye contact, con- uh, physical contact. Um. So it's um. What else? What's the book called? Connections. It's called uh, More Than Words. More Than Words. Yeah, and it um, could be a little bit shorter. <laughs> I actually know the author. There's another good one along these lines, if you're interested in personal stuff, called Attached, which uh, could be a bit bit better written. And I, I sound like a horrible critic, critic here, but I'm, I'm just giving it to you. So Clearly, you've it. read a lot of books, right? Yeah. Yeah, great, um, great ideas. So it's it takes basically like infant uh, connection, and it says like, you know, in our adult lives, we uh, have certain connection needs and people fall into mostly one of three buckets. They call it secure, anxious, and um, avoidant. And so the idea is that if you're secure, like you get normal relationships, but if you're anxious, you know, you're like too needy. And then if, if you're avoidant, uh, you're too aloof. Uh, so those ideas, sometimes like you read stuff and you're like, which how bucket do you fall in? I am avoidant. <laughs> and my wife is anxious, which is um, uh, a very uh, challenging combination. <laughs> what happens? What happens if one is avoiding and one is, I mean, you're chasing. It's a good each other, way. It's a good good way for conflicts to start. You know, what happens? Uh, yeah. You gotta you gotta compromise around stuff. It's a classic case of like uh, something's happening and one person's not annoyed. In fact, one one person's oblivious, and then the other person is anxious, um, and then um, the anxious person uh, can't take it anymore. Whereas the, the other person's you know oblivious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of a. Um, uh, like a lot of those silly examples when you got, you know, you're, you're home and living with people like uh, if stuff's clean or if it's dirty or, or like how the dishwasher gets loaded 
you you have to realize that some stuff's important to other people, uh, even though it's not important to you. You know, it's right. an important lesson, life lesson for business and uh, for business in our personal lives. I mean, that's such a huge thing for you know marketing and any business, right? Because I, I used to be what where if the ad was terrible or if it didn't appeal to me, then it was a bad ad. You know, I was like, oh, that's stupid, bad ad. But maybe I just wasn't the target audience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were, we had an exit interview for somebody at my company and he was saying that he was hoping for sort of like more, uh, more mentoring, um, which is not really the culture in our, our company. We're, we have very good communication, you know, daily standups and stuff and we're slack and we're uh, good levels of trust. Um, but that's not sort of like our style. And that was, I think exactly to your points that we, um, like me and his boss, uh, probably had like the blind spot for. Sure. And, sure. and so you got to yeah. take that into account. Like it could be, it could be important to somebody else could be what they need. Right. Right. Just, just cause I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> then it's like, yeah, maybe somebody else actually wants it. Yep. Some, yeah, to totally. Asking them, not just guessing. And yeah, which is great for, for customers, for, for relationships, for all those things. Some stuff is important to other people, even if it's not important to me. Yeah. People play, people play different games for different prizes. Yeah. You got to figure out their game and figure out their prize. Damn, did you make that up? Did you read this somewhere? Uh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> that's that's your quote right there, man. That's oh, really great, great. Different games, different <laughs> prizes. Different games, different prizes. Yeah. That's my life observation. Well, my next question is, who are you, man? <laughs> Take me back in time. Little Brook days. Did you know you're going to be badass, entrepreneur, marketer, on podcast, crushing it? No, dude, it is funny because uh, my wife is sort of like a, a, I don't know if we call it like a tracked entrepreneur or like a destined entrepreneur or something. Um, yeah, and I'll, I just mentioned this to contrast it with myself. So she went to culinary school and then got a master's in nutrition and then uh, got a job where she couldn't, she couldn't make enough money because she's pretty competitive. And then she's, she became an entrepreneur from that. And she's had a couple of businesses along the way. But for me, I basically just totally stumbled into it. <laughs> um I, so I've stumbled into many things in my life, Casey. Yeah. Uh, the first thing, um, and this is my adult life right after college, I stumbled into affiliate marketing because I got a job right. uh, through my, my brother. He was working in an incubator in San Francisco. Okay. And, uh, and one company in that incubator was a very young Zappos.com. So I got a job as a marketing coordinator there, which included the affiliate program, which had just been set up. And I took to it like a duck to water. So I, I think it's fair to say I'm a, an OG affiliate marketer uh, going back to 2000. And uh, it's pretty interesting because the culture of affiliate marketing has changed a lot. It used to be much of um, uh, quirky people, a lot of misfits and things like that because it was you know it was not like a career path. Bunch of weirdos, commission pretty junction. Much, pretty much, exactly. And uh, today it's much more corporate. You know, you got big dollars behind it. You got major investment got stuff. And... Um, I was happily doing my affiliate marketing thing, working in-house, and my uncle calls and he says, hey, do you want to, I'm running for, for governor of New Jersey. Do you want to wow. work on my campaign? How do you say no to that? Right. So my boss was super nice about it. And uh, I'd only been at that company for a couple months. Uh, that was Edmunds.com, the car research company, and uh, totally worked on his campaign, which was totally unsuccessful, <laughs> but a very interesting year of my life. Uh, politics is is like nothing else. That's tough, man. I did a campaign too one time. And just oh, really? Like, no, thanks. Yeah, it just it's hard, man. It was just I wasn't even doing like kind of like with you. I was I was just kind of helping with the database behind the scenes, you know. 
I wasn't yeah. like doing that grassroots stuff out of the field, but man, it's, it's hard. And people lie. You're like, yeah, I so this trust, guy. He seems trust in nice. politics is yeah. low. And um, it's exciting though. You know, uh, I yeah. traveled with him. I wasn't like the senior strategist, right? And um, you know, the campaigns of the paper every day at the end, wow. very thrilling. And um, that's one of those things like, talking about blind spots. It's like, you know, I know this guy, he's my uncle. How couldn't everybody not vote for him? But that ain't how, you know, that ain't how politics works. Right. Right. So anyway, we were unemployed at the end of that year. And uh, my brother had a programming background because he worked on the campaign too. And we said, well, Hey, why don't we start a business? <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, this wasn't like the, uh, the results of like in-depth soul searching, who are we? And it's the right thing to do. This is like, well, I'm not going to learn to be a programmer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we started an agency, uh, Shop Consulting, uh, bought another company along the way and became Shop Partner Centric, uh, did, did some more stuff like that. And then we sold it. Uh, it'll be five years ago next month. And at that time, um, I bought um, him out because uh, we were partners in two businesses that we had an agency and they, uh, uh, FMTC. And then he left FMTC and we both left the agency. Got so it. I've just been running FMTC for the last uh, five years. Wow. And I got to say, um, there's a saying they have about the city of Prague. Do you, do you happen to know it? No. It's pretty neat. Uh, it's the Prague has claws. So the idea is you, you visit Prague. And, uh, it's like left, left my heart in San Francisco. You want to go back to Prague. And then my observation is that affiliate marketing has claws too. So when people leave the space, they like to come back to it. Because I think, I think it's got a really good blend of what people want when they work, right? Because you got numbers, you got real numbers, same as you would have with like uh, different marketing campaigns. Uh, but then you got, uh, there's a, creative creative element um it's not like you know you're working for like an ad agency but there's a touch of it uh, and then most importantly you got people you got relationships people really like that there's a, a real affiliate marketing community uh, and a lot of different angles there's a lot of ways to make money in affiliate marketing actually on that note going back real briefly to a question you asked earlier yeah on the affiliate side it's actually much harder to break in uh, i think you just got to experiment a lot there's no obvious path on the affiliate side you got to say hey i've got traffic already can I add affiliate links or, or you got to figure it, figure it out. And um, it'll probably take you a couple of years. So if you want to make money as affiliate, know that it, it does not get rich quick. That's a very important thing to say because people post videos on YouTube about that all the time. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And some of them are just hustling their, their, themselves. A lot of them are like selling stuff. They don't necessarily have like bad ideas, but uh, it's, it's another, it's like another, it's like any other business at this point. Um, if you if you got a knack for it, make a lot of money, a lot of ways to make that money, a lot of communities, a lot of traffic sources you can draw from, a lot of merchants you can work with, uh, but it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't kid yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like like you said, it's it's gone from being the quirky new crazy thing to being like this thing has matured over time to where it's a it's a serious channel in a marketing yeah. mix. It really is. It's it's one of the one of the channels. Not the biggest channel, but um, it's you. You got to take affiliate marketing into account. Yeah, man, it has claws. It's got claws. Affiliate marketing's got claws. Bring you back in. Um, have you have you always kind of experimented with the the creative side and the analytical side? Has that always kind of been a thing? No, um, no. So I'm I'm a little bit analytical by nature, but um, if you take, if I take like a personality assessment. My creativity sometimes registers as like a zero. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, it was just like a, it was a zero or a one on one of these ones I took. Um, so yeah, I've never been like the artist type. Uh, 
uh, at all. I like to write a very slow writer. And my writing is also not creative. It's not like fiction stuff. Um, like I write little blurbs about the affiliate marketplace most weeks. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was never my thing. And again, like never an entrepreneur growing up. I was never like, like I remember Boy Scout camp. Um, they were like, I was not the kid who sold the candy bars. I was the kid who bought the candy bars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember the whole selling the candy bars to raise money and whatnot. Did you ever see that Beavis and Butthead short when they, they were selling candy bars? No. What happened? It was, this was, it was perfectly ridiculous. They had two boxes of candy bars. One of them found a dollar and they kept selling the candy bars back to each other and they kept eating them with that same dollar. So they'd be like, oh, Hey, funny. you want to buy a candy bar? Here's your dollar. Like, Oh, cool. Can I, can I buy one? Here, here's your dollar. And they just kept giving it back and forth to each other. They had no, they had no candy at the end. And then they only had a dollar to show for it, And the teacher was just super pissed. It's fine. Was that, was that your scouting fundraising? No, we did. Uh, I did that stuff. The, um, <laughs> Oh gosh. What was There was a, what was the name of that company? Oh, the candy bar one. Yeah, there was a, we did it every year. And, um, and my dad forced me to uh, go and talk to strangers to do it. <laughs> um, not the worst learning experience. No, it was but, good. But if you did it in uniform, it, it upped your chances, you know, a little cute. Well, kid. Boy Scouts, the big thing that we had was um, jamboree tickets. So jamboree was kind of neat. It was sort of like a camping expo exposition. You have like, you know, climbing stuff and yeah. other stuff. And um, when people would see in uniform, they think you sold cookies. I couldn't tell you how many times ever like the grocery store, somebody was disappointed because they thought they wanted to buy cookies and they're like, what? They're like, Jamboree, what the, you know, what is that? <laughs> like, where are the cookies at? Where are the cookies? Like, exactly. Hey, give me, give me $10. I'll go buy you some cookies inside people, right now. <laughs> you know? Laugh. Yeah. The girl, no, the girl scouts aced that one. They really did. They nailed it. Was, those things are getting smaller though. Those, oh, are they? Cookies. Yeah. Cookies kind of shrinking. Shrinking. Inflation. Like Pop tarts Inflation. too, man. Those pop tarts. Not like when I was a kid. That it was a giant thing, and it was completely covered in, in icing. Now you're lucky if you get a square with icing on it. You gotta write. You gotta write a letter. I do. You know, I do a podcast. You know, mention Pop Tarts enough, maybe they'll they'll hear the episode, and they'll fix their their evil ways. Pop Tart. This is the, this is the best up. chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, crazy man. So so fundraising, and then you went to school for German, right? Yeah, I studied German. Not the most useful major. Where, where did that idea come from? And how were your parents with that? <laughs> so I won. It's funny you asked. My parents were very hands off with it. So they actually could have, they might have been a little more hands on and said, hey, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, hey, your career after you graduate. Uh, so, but German was my thing because I'd won a scholarship to study in Germany in, in high school. And it was pretty cool. I was, um, I was 94, 95. So some years after Waldfall, and I lived in the former East. Um, you know, that's kind of a time gone by. I was in, in Berlin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pretty interesting stuff, uh, pr pretty interesting historical time. That was a fantastic year. So anybody who's in uh, school, high school or college, I recommend that you consider studying abroad. Um, you don't have to learn a foreign language, you can go to England or something, but it's a great life experience. And so that ended up being my major in college, Man. which is great. You know, I love the reading and, and lectures and stuff like that. Um, not much, not much commercial demand. Not much marketing learning, but I guess most of you learned on your own then afterward. Yeah. You know, I don't know how, uh, I think stuff, there's a lot of stuff that like, I think every, 
now that I'm older, I think everybody should be forced to learn, uh, like accounting and, and things like that. Marketing is a little bit trickier, I think, because it's kind of something you do learn on your feet for the most part. Like maybe you could learn marketing history and that would be interesting, but marketing changes so quickly um, and, and every situation is, is sort of different. You got to kind of feel your way out for that. So I don't know that I would stake too much in degree in marketing, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I think and that's how, I mean, mine was computer science and communications and computer science is legit. You know, computer science is the way to go. Yeah. Well, you know, until you have like abstract algebra thrown at you. I was looking at yeah. It's like alien script on a, on yeah. a page. Yeah. Like literally the, decoding the matrix. There's a lot, a lot of value in being able to talk to the aliens. It's true. It's true. <laughs> that way they can test the other person and not you. And then you can just go back to the planet. Good platform, right? Because you can go, it's easier to, you, you can go from that to marketing. <laughs> it's true. Can't go from marketing to that. <laughs> well, somehow German. German worked. German to that. I guess anything to marketing, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, anything to marketing. Well, if you're willing to put in the hours, figure stuff out, you can do well. And again, there's a million angles on it. This so is- I got, got a question for you. A bit of a hypothetical question. Because I may or may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire. Uh, actually, oh do. it's in the backyard covered in tarp. Um, so we go, come visit. We get some beer, get some lobster. Use a time machine. Particular kind of time machine that goes back in time and you get to meet yourself right after gradu- graduating with that German degree. So you get to meet that version of you. Uh, what would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you, would you give yourself? Tips, suggestions, and... I promise you it won't mess up your space to time continuum. So you can just say anything you want. What would you tell yourself? Well, it could only be an improvement, right? You, you know, I might yeah. start by saying, uh, look, uh, German was a lot of fun, but uh, you got to think about uh, your professional future here <laughs> and uh, get your act together, kid. <laughs> That's probably what I'd say. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was um, not the best student. Uh, I did okay, but um, I think I, I think what it kind of comes down to is you got to have a purpose and a guiding light in, in your life. That changes over time. And for a lot of people, that's work. Um, and then that changes over time. You know, so I got a family now, I got kids. Um, it doesn't have to be those, you know, it can be like your sport when you're in school. Um, it could be a charitable cause, you could be involved with your church course, you know, any of these things. But I think you have to have something that you're kind of going towards. And I at that age did not, you know, had a lot of fun, partied a lot in my 20s. Uh, but you know, I think you want to have something to show for it. And uh, if you don't know what else to do, I think what you want to do is gain more and more skills. Uh, you know, especially in today's economy, uh, you, you, you don't know how things might play out. So I was not doing that stuff. Uh, dare call myself lazy. And um, I don't know that I could have convinced myself, but uh, yeah. shot. like, if you heard that advice, we'd like, yeah, old man, thanks for the words. <laughs> no, what I'd probably do is say as, as so often in my past, I would say, well, that's good advice. And then not take any action. Right. Right. Yeah, because I went to um, I went to Catholic high school, and we actually had uh, they had actually had a pretty good sex ed course, and that included like relationships and stuff, which is, I think pretty rare. And I remember we like learned all the stuff about relationship patterns, which are just you know human nature kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, gosh, this that makes sense. I think they make a good case for it. And I did not use that to improve my own life or relationships at all. Right? You're like, oh, this this sounds this sounds right. Yeah, I'm in- for the next couple of years. In one ear, out the other. Yeah, sometimes you need to experience it. You know, you need to 
you know, we learn a lot more from, at least in my opinion, we learn a lot more from when things don't work out right. Uh, she's like, ooh, what do I need to change here? Hopefully. Hopefully you're asking yourself that. Well, believe you me, Casey, I've, I've suffered from my iniquities. Yeah. Yes, but you've learned from them as well. I have learned from them as well. Yeah, totally. Very slowly, slowly but surely. Well, I mean, I, I think that, but that goes to to your advice too, or, or the idea of having something you can move towards, you know, that purpose. And it, it could be something simple, but it's at least something tr- either drawing you or put, allowing you to push yourself forward in the making progress in something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think you got to accept when it changes, um, exactly. which is tough, right? Like you're like, yeah. wait a minute, this is not no longer the right career. Um, uh, and then for me, like I used to fence, like I fenced in high school. And I fenced- Did you really? Yeah. It was club sport in college. It was pretty neat. Um, but there's, there, there's, um, I did not go to a varsity school. There's only a handful in the country. And, but I had a hard time giving it up. Cause I was like, Oh, this is my thing. I'm like, I'm like a fencer. And, um, in uh, hindsight, I should have like gone on to something new sooner because it was great. It was great while I did it. Um, there's a guy who has a book called, uh, I think it's called The Way of the Superior Man, which sounds like a provocative title, but uh, uh, worth reading. And um, he, he calls it burning your karma. So you got you to gotta kind of go on to the next phase, figure out the next thing. And I did that in my life when I, when I moved from LA. So 11 years ago, I picked up and moved to Austin because I I had that sense. And I think that was the right move. You know, I continued my business over here, started a new life, which was a lot of work, but it was really good. Left my comfort zone, of course. And then, you know, found a wife and got married. So I think that's an important thing for us all to remember is you, you just have some inside sense when the next thing is coming. And I don't know what it means, but you gotta, you gotta compliment it. You probably have to take action around it. Yeah. And be aware the next thing is coming. And then, you know, our taste buds change every so often. It's hey, changed. That, that sure. purpose, that passion could change. You know, that you know, I obsessed over marketing automation for a decade plus, you know, and then now it's podcasting. Cool. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm sure it'll change again in a little bit, you know. Ask me in 10 years, I'll be all about rockets or something. Uh, or, or your time machine travel. Or my well, true. True. But we, we can't talk about that because you don't want people to know about it. Oh yeah, we can't mess stuff up. Star Trek, Star Trek world, right? <laughs> I've been watching the, the Flash. All he does is mess up the timeline every time he uses uh, time travel. So it's rough, rough. You can't go back. You can't do it. Um, sweet man, this is good stuff. Where can people reach out and connect with you? Where do you want them to say hi? What social platforms? What websites? All that jazz. Oh yeah, so LinkedIn is hands down the best. Um, they can email me at brook b r o k at fmpc not.com.co. Dot dot cool. And um, you can also find me, Brooke Schaff, on LinkedIn, B R O O K S C H A A F. Boom. There it is, man. Good stuff. Great what do you stuff. think? That's good. You got that's a good Crush format. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I am so glad. Thank you for coming on here, uh, teaching me, teaching everyone here. I mean, we talked affiliates, we talked the idea of the, the deal the the chasing of the deal the, the motivation have, I, have I persuaded you have i persuaded you to launch an affiliate program and uh hell yeah issue deal yeah. great yeah no i i want i want to yeah like the idea and the fact that you can you can control it more than almost any other other channel you can control the commission control the deal what are the what are the rules by which that that commission happens like that's 
there's a lot of control over there that I, to your point though, you need someone in there to help you. Um, and obviously people can reach out to you and your team for that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We have it to talk, uh, share info about the affiliate market space. It's a great one. It's still growing like crazy. So good stuff's going to be forthcoming. Absolutely. And for those people listening, if you did learn something and I freaking know you did, cause I literally have two pages of notes over here, then share this with someone else. Uh, that is thought leadership. When you get content that you learned into someone else's hands, one person, 300 people, 9,000, whatever the number is, just get good stuff into other people's hands. And with that, man, Brooke, thanks again for being on here and hanging out with me. Great. Thank you, Casey. All right, everybody. This has been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.